RTI news, programs, pictures, and more online at english.rti.org.tw. Check it out. Check it out. Thanks for being with us here today on Radio Taiwan International for today's English language feature programs. Coming up ahead this hour, we will have Chinese Culture 101 with Paula Chow and Jukebox Republic Shirley Lin will be bringing us another half an hour of popular music. But we'll get the week underway with Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan this Monday, November the 19th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sora sitting in the host chair today. I'm joined by Paula Chow. Hello. And Jake Chen. Hello. Hi, guys. Well, today we're going to be talking about why the medical treatment for shingles has nothing to do with the upcoming elections just in case you thought it maybe did. Um, former pitcher Wang Jianming has been talking about conditioning, and we'll be hearing about uh, how dementia takes a toll on its caregivers as well as the patients who suffer from it. These stories coming right up. Okay, well, let's start first then with election news. The uh, uh, Around the country, people will be going to the polls this coming Saturday to vote for the heads of cities and counties all over Taiwan. And uh, so obviously this has been something we've been talking about for quite some time, and it's, it's nearly on us. We're in the season now of uh, debates. There's a, not a day goes by that there isn't a televised debate for, uh, between candidates for some place or another. And uh, the issue of uh, shingles, the skin condition, apparently came up in the course of one of these. Paula, tell us more about that. Okay, I was reading the newspaper the other day, and I, uh, you know, I was drawn... Uh I, and I noticed one headline is, is really interesting. It says um, it has nothing to do with elections because the government has decided to relax the rules on um, um, the medical treatment for shingles. And according to Taiwan's health ministry, um, last year, about 240,000 people in, um, sought doctors because of the disease. It's a disease caused by virus and, will, and it will cause painful red spots, especially around the waist. And 67% of the patients are aged 50. And, and even those who are under 50, um, because of the severe pain, that it could you know, affect their lifestyle. So um, the health minister, Chen Shizhong, said recently that the government has decided to relax the rules on um, medical treatment for shingles. Um, there are rules um, used um, in the past. There are uh, or rules on who can, uh, you know, you, uh, t take the medical treatment It's because it's all free. Now, um, they are going to relax the rules, so it is expected that of 500,000 patients will benefit from the, the new rule. And this is really interesting because the health minister said, well, um, we've been discussing this for a while. Um, it has nothing to do with elections. Uh, health has nothing to do with elections. Mm. So... So he was concerned that it would be perceived as uh, we will make this move on shingles just before the election, right? So that uh, so that people with 
shingles will vote for us, presumably. So it's a statement to say that, you know, not, not every action that the government takes is uh, right. is, is to do with elections. Yeah, but I, I know that this is extremely um, painful because um, uh, my mother and also my uncle, well, they both passed away. They had singles when um, they were still alive and extremely painful. My, I remember my uncle telling me that um, he almost wanted to commit suicide because it's extremely painful. Oh, wow. Uh, so, and also, um, according to what I read in the newspaper, our former president, Li Denghui, and also uh, our popular um, singer, Zhou Lingcai, they both um, had singles before. Oh, really? So, if you are under tremendous pressure, mm. uh, so you're, you will have a weakened immune system. So, chances are, you, you know, you will have the disease. Have right. the disease. Yes. yes, so we could understand an outbreak of shingles coming around around election time then. <laughs> Because there are a lot of people, especially who are under for pressure. candidates. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, this uh, is a story here from uh, last week that uh, is about Wang Jianming, uh, the uh, former. Uh, major league pitcher who came from Tainan went to the New York Yankees and was uh, one of their best players for for two seasons running he uh, 2006 and 2007 he won 19 games in consecutive seasons uh, for the the Yankees unfortunately then a, um, a bunch of injuries then really curtailed what was uh, set to be a very very promising career well since he he formally retired uh, was it early, earlier this year I think was his formal Retirement. Uh, I think we talked about it on the uh, on the show. He'd, he'd worked his way back, you know, to play for a major league team again. I think just sort of to prove that he could still do it. And having done so, he then announced his formal retirement. Well, he's now uh, back in Taiwan, and he's uh, he's doing some uh, very interesting things. He's uh, uh, doing some coaching for younger players, and he said uh, on Monday last week that uh, he believes Taiwan's young pitchers need to improve their physical conditioning to make up the gap between the strength of Asian and Western players. That's an interesting point because most of the Taiwanese baseball players who do go on to play in the majors uh, have have generally been pitchers. I think they've they've been the occasional slugger, but they generally tend to be uh, uh, pitchers. That's where their their strengths are. Um, And of course, it's a, it's a, Point for for Wang Jianming himself, since you know it was it was his shoulder you know gave out you know much earlier than he would have hoped. So he says uh, he was speaking at a charity event uh, to help train a baseball team from Zhanghua Arts High School. He spoke of the differences between training in America and Taiwan, and he says that players in Taiwan do higher volumes of training. Which is which is interesting. You, you might think that he was suggesting that Taiwanese uh, players don't condition or don't train enough but actually they do they do actually a lot more do they overtrain is that what he's implying i'm not sure it's certainly is possibly the quality of of the training or the conditioning but he does say that the the amount of uh, training that taiwanese players do it helps develop their willpower Mm. I suppose you know, get more determined through that. He says, looking back at his own career, he said when he was pitching in the United States, he noticed that American players only needed to throw about 40 pitches in the bullpen so when they were practicing and training, but he needed double that amount. He talks about uh, young players in recent years. Uh, he says the number of players joining the uh, prof- Chinese Professional Baseball League, that's the professional league here in Taiwan, fresh out of high school, has been on the rise. He talks about uh, Wu Shihao, who's a young pitcher that he's been mentoring on the Fubong 
Fuban Guardian's development team. Uh, he says that young pitchers like Wu need to increase the amount they train, focusing on strengthening their shoulders and on general overall conditioning. But it says it's not one size fits all. He says that the strength and builds of Taiwanese athletes are different, and so the methods used have to be different. So not just you know between uh, a, a Taiwanese and Asian physique and and a Western physique, but even you know within Taiwan you're going to meet people of different body sizes and shapes, and they may need uh, your uh, your training regime may not be one one size fits all. Uh, so he's going to continue to help players in young players in Taiwan through spring training, and then he's going to be making a trip back to the United States after that. <laughs> Okay, Jake, turning to you now, tell us about a study that finds that uh, dementia takes a, a toll on caregivers just as much as it does on patients. Right. I mean, they just uh, can't, these families can't get a break, can they? Um, the number of people who suffer from dementia is on the rise in Taiwan, not surprisingly, because our aged population is rising. Um, currently, we have over 270,000 people who, are, who suffer from uh, dementia. Um, and more than half of them, actually, the majority of them are taken care of, understandably, by their family members. Mm. According to a recent uh, um, survey, this is done by an insurance company, interestingly. Um, they found out that roughly 65% of the caregivers of uh, demented patients uh, are depressed. They suffer from depression to various degrees. And uh, they also suffer from a 60% higher mortality rate uh, compared to people who, you know, who are non caregivers of dementia mm, mm. so um yeah this is pretty uh pretty alarming you know it, it the survey also found out that um the average years of care that a dementia patient requires is between eight to ten years so not only this adds uh, a lot of pressure financially uh to the families that uh, they're from it also adds a lot of psychological pressure to people who take care of them mm. um because the symptoms can be so varied right they can yes. be uh, anywhere from just entirely not functional as in you know not even their their daily routine all their daily routines have to be taken care of by another member and they can sometimes be very unstable emotionally um, you know certainly their memories don't don't quite function as well as, as they used to so, and to take care of a person like this uh, even by several family members can be very stressful and unfortunately they found out that uh, it's not uncommon for a, a single family member to be the main caregiver for a patient so yeah um this is this is unfortunate news uh, and i'm you know i'm sure as the population age continues to rise this wouldn't get better anytime soon Okay, finally today, Paula, tell us about a 58-year-old who has decided uh, at this stage of his life to become a filmmaker. Right. Um, at 58, I think most people are already retired or they have started making retirement plans. But this guy, uh, Shi Shenhui, has a d different path. In um, January of this year, he posted something on Facebook saying that um, he has decided to um, take a test because he wanted to go to graduate school to study films. And then after, soon after he post, um, posted that message on Facebook, he received um, more than 1,000 likes. Mm. And on February, he started preparing for the test, and in April, he took the test, and he passed the test. At the test-taking site, um, the, uh, one school 
school administrator told him that, "Excuse me, you must be、um, the parent of a test taker. We have a separate <laughs>、yes. room for you." And he told that administrator. No, I am the test taker. I'm taking the test today. So、um, this is、um, he's a really interesting guy because when he、um, he enjoyed watching、um, movies very much and ever since he was in fifth grade. And he said that、um, he has watched more than four thousand films. And he's fifty eight years old. He has watched more than four thousand films. And when he was in college, especially when he was in his、um, in junior year. He watched three hundred films one year. In one year, so almost one a day. Right. He said that he didn't study at all. But in, anyway, he went to. <laughs> so he went to Taiwan's um, best um, university, National Taiwan University. He studied finance and business management. He said that.、Um, so everything went well. He, like most people in、um, the fifties or sixties,、um, you go to school,、um, you find a job after graduation, and then you get married, you have children, you you. You know, buy an apartment, everything, and、mm. then all of a sudden,、um, when he was forty-four, he got fired. That's because of the um, the um, the um, the dot-com bubble, and also because of SARS. So he he got fired all of a sudden. So he was, you know, in a pretty bad situation. And then the first day、um, after he got fired, he didn't tell, he didn't dare to tell his family, his wife. He actually、um, he said that he still wore a suit. He went out. Where he told his wife,、uh, I'm pretending to go to work. Right, this he is, still has the story of the、uh, movie called Tokyo. Whatever, it's the guy who got fired, and he dressed the same the, the second day to go to work to pretend to go to work.、Wow. Right.、Sorry. So yeah. yeah, so he has a family. He has three children, and what does he do? Because he said, "Well, I'm an unemployed dad. I have to do something." But fortunately, because you know, finance, business man- management are still his expertise, so he made some. Investments, and he was very lucky, very successful. He earned a lot of money, and then so financial.、Um, he doesn't have financial problems still. He 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 feel like now. I'm even though he's fifty eight. He said, "Well, I love films. I want to go to graduate school. Why can't I?" Because when he was young, his parents said, "What do you want to study films? That's you know,、mm-hmm. it has no future, no prospects. You can't do that." So right now he's pretty happy. He said, "Why not?" And, and when、um, when he was、um, interviewed by a reporter, and then ask、um, the people ask him his suggestion, he said that, "Well, you have to f- find something that you really like. That will, you know, that's something you really enjoy." Right. So they're proving there that it's not too late to chase your dreams. That's all we've got time for, though, for today's here in Taiwan. Do stay with us. You'll be hearing Paula in just a moment in Chinese Culture 101. Then we'll have Jukebox Republic. After that, we will be back at the end of the hour to bring you one more thing. But till then, I'm Charlie Starrer. I'm Paula Chow, and I'm Dick Chan. Stay tuned. Listening to Chinese Culture 101, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. You're listening to Chinese Culture 101. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. I was talking to my friend Daniel the other day about traditional Chinese medicine, especially those seemingly mysterious herbs and therapies. And all of a sudden, he took off his shirt and showed me the large red circles on his back. There are about twelve of them. It looks like he's got some severe bruises, but what he actually did is cupping therapy, an ancient Chinese recovery technique that involves the use of heated cups. The first time, the process of 
getting cupped. It's really just a suction using uh, generally a plastic or a glass container. It's like a well, like a glass cup. And uh, the first time I did it, they actually pumped the air out after attaching the cup to your skin. The, I guess the reasoning is that you cup in order to draw blood into the skin surface. It's kind of like if you uh, work out, you actually create micro tears in your muscles and uh, the bruising and the, the increased blood flow actually is what causes the muscle growth. So it's the same kind of process for, for the cupping where you might have a damaged or injured or sore area and you want to promote growth and rehabilitation. So you create suction and this draws the uh, blood to the, the surface through the micro tears and then there's a bruising that occurs for a few days and uh, after that there's promoted growth and healing. So the first time I did it, it was purely just a glass cup attached to the skin and then they manually suck the air out with a pump. And the second time I did it, which was very recently, it was the more uh, traditional method. There was a flame under the cup and uh, they, they lit it in order to burn up the oxygen and create a more tight suction, I guess. And after that happens, they leave it on five minutes and, uh, and then they take it off. And it's pretty clear immediately that there's uh, some bruising and some redness that occurs depending on uh, the area that the cup was attached to. Um, you said flame. That sounds pretty scary. Yeah, I actually didn't see it because I was lying on my back. But I, you could feel the heat a little bit. I don't know how exactly they did it, but I think they either might have lit put a little bit of oil on and lit the, the skin surface and immediately put the cup on to extinguish the flame or let the, the air burn out. Or they might have uh, had, had like a, I guess, a matchstick type thing where they, they burned the air while they were attaching the cup on. I'm not 100% certain. But either way, it was pretty effective and you could definitely feel a little bit of the heat going on. But it wasn't, I never felt like I was in danger of being burnt by the flame. So you didn't get hurt? No, no, there was uh, there was no pain at all. It was just a kind of a warm feeling. And then once the, the cup attached, it's just kind of a strong suction feeling. I guess there was there might have also been a little bit of, of tingling initially with the, with the flame, but I don't know if that was just the, uh, the oil or whatever product they used in order to, to have the, get the flame started. He said it cost about 25 to 30 U.S. dollars the first time he did it. The first time I went, I think my friend showed me, and uh, this was a few years ago. And at the time, I believe it cost uh, probably less than maybe around 500 NT, 500, 600 NT, I would say. And this was the one without the flame, and it was just a pure suction. And as for yesterday's treatment, I believe that cost a little bit more, uh, over 1,000 NT. I'm not 100% certain because I also got some Chinese medicine, so I don't know what the exact breakdown of the treatment and the uh, the medicine was. But guess probably maybe a 1500 NT, 
was the uh, price of the treatment for the, the flame type uh, cupping. Because this was uh, for a half an hour session. It was actually, no, it was, it was actually for an hour session. Uh, both, they did both the, my back and my front. So, I mean, $40, $30, $40 for, for an hour of medical treatment is pretty reasonable, at least if you're coming from the United States. Okay, so the therapy was administered by practitioners of traditional Chinese medicine? I think there was a doctor in a Chinese doctor in charge, but the actual administration was done by the nurses. I don't know exactly what their qualifications were, but it was, uh, I mean, I don't think it was too, it was a pretty straightforward process, so I imagine it was uh, it was done pretty correctly, and there were no issues at all. And I'm sure if the doctor had seen anything, he probably would have said something, so yeah. That was Daniel, a Taipei resident, talking about cupping therapy. I'm Paula Chow. See you next week. Bye-bye. You just tuned into Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin of Radio Taiwan International. I went to a great concert the other day, mainly because a friend of mine was performing. Yes, you're hearing every breath you take because the concert actually sang a lot of uh, English songs, um, classics, and also Chinese songs. But anyway, it was nothing like a big crowded concert in the thousands at the Taipei Arena or something like that, but it was a small a short concert of only about 100 people. We in the audience enjoyed the music while seated the whole time because there was no dance floor. Otherwise, I would have danced the night away. Anyway, the music was all from, um, well, or rather, 70s, maybe 60s, 70s, and 80s, I don't know. And they're English and Mandarin Chinese songs, as I said. So one of the songs sung that night was Every Breath You Take in English, but I found this one sung by someone from Taiwan. Oh, no, no, it's from Hong Kong. Andy Zhou from Hong Kong. Let's hear it.
So the name of the concert that night was Yue Tuan Huo Zi Ye, translates to something like the band's Fury Night. Basically, there were two Taiwanese rock bands that night, one that was popular in the 70s and the other one in the 80s in Taiwan, both of which back in the old days covered a lot of Western classics, like the one you just heard, Every Breath You Take. The friend I'm talking about is Wawa, whom you've heard me mention a lot on this show, I'm sure. She was the vocalist for my husband's band called Blue So during his college days. They used to perform at a live house um, called Idea House, which has closed since then. But any band or musician who wanted to be heard would go to Idea House and sign up for a gig. Blue So did that more than once, and one time, an agent went up to them and said he really liked their music, but he just wanted Wawa because she really has a very unique singing voice. She was made to team up with a band set up by the entertainment company and became the Chiu Chiu Band, Chiu Chiu He Chang Tuan, which shot to fame and was popular for the next three years. Then they disbanded and Wawa went solo and became a sensation overnight. She laid low for many years after she got married, had two children, and only in the last couple of years did she make a comeback with the consent of her American-born Taiwanese husband, who didn't know who she was before he married her. Anyway, she's loving it, traveling and performing in Taiwan, China, and all these Southeast Asian countries these days. Well, that night when we arrived um, at the venue, which uh, is like a pub for live performances, there were tons of people standing and chatting outside, with some holding bottles of beers in their hands. The concert was free admissions, but you could buy drinks and sit down and enjoy the music. The funny thing was I noticed that literally everyone was wearing black. Black t-shirts, black leather jackets, black leather pants, black jeans, black baseball caps. Yes, musicians seem to love wearing black, don't they? Anyway, Wawa suggested that we could wear something from the 80s. I had to look it up on Google. I tried to see if I could look like Madonna in Like a Virgin with short boots, black net stockings. I mean, that's what I wore. Black embroidered net skirt that I had, blue jean jacket, two long chains around my neck. I really tried. And I wore a big bow on top of my head. It looked like I was the only one who tried to dress up. When we arrived, some kind of panel discussion was going on on stage with five to six senior musicians who were really there sharing their stories about their lives and music. That went on for a while, and we were wondering when the concert was going to begin. But then after the forum, there was an award ceremony 
because the event that night was organized by a nonprofit organization that helps promote Taiwan's music on the global stage. The concert part didn't start until about an hour or so later. The 70s band went up first, and that would be the band in the picture I'm showing on our website as a preview to this program. As you can see, they're all older men. The average age that night was 70, while the youngest said that he's 65. The first number they jammed was Black Magic Woman, originally sung by Santana. After they sang about four or five songs, it was Wawa's turn with the 80s band to go on stage. She sang Love Hurts by Everly Brothers. Well, I couldn't find a CD with her singing that song, but I found one sung by another Taiwanese singer um, called Chen Wei. And since you'll be hearing me talk about Wawa later on, I'm also playing one of her own songs that she sang that night right after, called which, by the way, is everyone's absolute favorite of all her songs.
Yes, you're tuning into Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, Radio Taiwan International. And wasn't that something? That's Wawa or Natasha King. That's her English name. But people know her by Natasha King. Anyway, she's Jin Zijuan or Wawa. Um, yeah, doesn't she have a unique voice? She has a very distinctly unique voice. So that was her singing the song. It's called Tonight. Well, um, that night, the concert I went to two weeks ago, um, while I was looking really great on stage, she has lost a lot of weight lately, so she looks good in just about anything she wears. I loved her outfit that night. She had her orange hair in two braids. She had a black leather jacket. Well, I mean, orange hair is dyed orange. Okay. She had black leather jacket, black tight pants, and over pants. She wore this heavy dark gray lopsided dress that looked like the pattern of a knight's heavy metal outer garment. You know what I'm talking about? That went down to her ankles. And then she had on these uh, black boots with thick soles. Actually, before she sang Love Hurts, 
She said how she used to sing that song with the band Blue Soul, and then she said the bass guitarist is right in the audience. I was so thrilled that I cheered and pointed my fingers above my hubby's head to let people know who she was talking about. We wanted so much to get up and dance along to the music, but the place wasn't set up for that. It's unfortunate, but in Taiwan, unless it's one of those big concerts at the Taipei Arena or something, Taiwanese people tend to just enjoy concerts sitting down, which we think is a real bummer. We just jived in our seats that night, tapping our feet and clapping and singing along. Oh, while our husband was there, and so were her two musically talented grown-up kids. Um, while I sang five songs and then walked right off the stage before we shouted encore, encore, but uh, she never came back on stage. She just kind of disappeared, even though the host of the event uh, of the concert that night kept calling for her. Later, we learned that she had only practiced those five songs with the band, and that was it. They couldn't sing any more songs. Besides, she said she just can't exhaust herself anymore. She has to watch her health. Good thing I heard that she's going to have a dance floor at the next Valentine's Day's concert she's having next year. You bet I'll be going to that. So here's saying goodbye to you with another song from Wawa, which she also sang that night at the concert. It's called Wei He Meng Jian Ta. That means Why Did I Dream of Him? Wei He Meng Jian Ta. It actually is about a relationship she had a long, long time ago. Anyway. That's it for Jukebox Republic. I'll see you next week. Now you have to realize that this CD that I'm playing this song from is from the year 2000, but I think、um, the recording there might have gone even way before that. So if while、well, I'm sounding really young, that's why. Anyway, this song again is "Wei He Meng Jian Ta" by Wawa.
见他，那好久好久以前分手的男孩，又来到我梦中。为何梦见他？这男孩在我日记簿里早已不留下痕迹。RTI, exercise for your mind. Thank you for listening to our programs here today at Radio Taiwan International. Don't forget, you can email us. The address is rti at rti.org.tw with any questions or comments you may have. Well, I'm Charlie Starr, back in the studio with Paula Chow and Jake Chen, and we're going to leave you with one more thing. Now, on the day we're recording, uh, it's one day ahead of the Golden Horse Awards, which, of course, is the Chinese language Oscars. That ceremony is going to be held on Saturday. Uh, November the 17th so by the time uh, you hear this program we will have already known the winners but uh, and we'll talk about those I guess in the next couple of days um, but uh, Jake let's have a, a preview of uh, this year's Golden Horse Awards and who are some of the main contenders Right. Um, as usual, uh, most of the films that are nominated for Best Pictures and Best Directors, and these are uh, the most sort of coveted awards, are uh, made in China and in Taiwan. And uh, I think what surprises me this year is, what impresses me is that the, the amount of talents, the variety in the talents and the subject matters in the film and behind the film. So, for instance, we have the usual comers of The Golden Horse. This year, Zhang Yimou, the renowned Chinese director, brings Shadow, which is a periodic piece uh, uh, the story of a shadow assassin who tried to break free and try to regain his identity. Uh, he's sort of he's very good at making epic historic films. Mm. But also we have uh, films uh, made by several first-time filmmakers and very impressive subjects. For instance, Us and Them is the first ever feature film made by Taiwanese singer uh, Renee Liu or Liu Ruoying. This is uh, her debut feature. She's a uh, I think she's had a fairly long singing career for over 20 years and she's transitioned into filmmaking. Mm. Uh, and this, uh, sorry, her, her debut as 
director or as, actor? As film director. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes, I do remember she acted in several films before. Um, and then we have Long Day's Journey into Night by Bi Gan. Bi is a Chinese, very young Chinese filmmaker, only 29 years of age, and he burst onto the scene at the Golden Horse of 2015, winning the Best New Director with Kylie Blues. Uh, in that year and right now he comes back with a much uh, bigger uh, budget and a uh, uh, all-star cast mm. so that's a mystery film about a guy who retraces his uh, uh, memory and uh, also uh, th- I think this is a, a very important film this year called Dear X uh, made co-directed by two directors and, and I think one of them this is his first feature film and the second one has been a screenwriter for a long time this tells the story of a middle-aged woman uh, who finds out that he, uh, her late husband has left his insurance payout to his gay lover. I think it's not a stretch to say that this film probably has taken some inspiration from a tragic incident uh, roughly one and a half years ago where uh, a uh, NTU uh, French professor um, committed suicide because he couldn't, due to limitations to his right, he couldn't take care of, make decisions to, uh, for his gay lover who suffered on... on, on from a certain disease so yeah but this one is a comedy so a much more humorous take on the matter uh, we also have uh, a Taiwanese art house director Tsai Ming Liang returning with his latest feature called Your Face and we have The Looming Storm released at the end of last year 2017 a Chinese film that uh, uh, tackles mystery and the issues of uh, local government very interesting flick so there you go some mm. of the interesting uh, uh, nominated no- have you seen any of the uh, the nominated films yourself this year uh no unfortunately not, none of them uh, which which is really unusual for me because by the end of the, t- the time that the golden horse rolled around i would have a pretty good idea of what most of the films are mm. and how good or, or bad they are but uh, this year i haven't had the, had a chance unfortunately okay well we'll know uh by the time you the listener hear this program we will know what uh, some of the big winners have been on the night and we'll know what films then to to pop out and check out at the cinema well that's all the time we've got for today's one more thing and hence today's programs thanks so much for being with us do join us again tomorrow our program lineup includes book of odes status update and another edition of here in taiwan but for now on behalf of all of us here at rti i'm charlie storer signing off for the day hope you enjoy the rest of your day ahead Listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. 
Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also, visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.